0: Aloha, my name is Pastor Elijah Perrick, and I have the honor of bringing the Word of God to us today. Thank you so much for those announcements. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for being good. Thank you for being holy. Thank you for being altogether worthy and worthy of praise. God, we pray that we would be humble and teachable as we come to your Word, wanting to know what it says. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. If you have your Bibles, please go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And this is a story about David and Goliath. A lot of us know it, but have we read it recently? So we're gonna jump in and discover what it says. 1 Samuel chapter 17 says, "'Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war "'and assembled at Soko in Judah. "'They pitched camp at Ephes and Damien.'" Back in March of this year, I was in Israel and I saw the hill on the left, the hill on the right, and the very scene where this was happening. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley in between them. I was there, I put my hand in the ground and I picked up rocks like, wow, these are probably the same kind of rocks that David used later on in this story. Verse four, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. I'm six feet four. Can you imagine three more feet stacked on top of me? That was a big person. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels on his legs. He wore bronze graves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. This man had a lot of gear. His shield bearer went ahead of him. So just imagine a military soldier of modern day times. They've got their bulletproof vest, they've got their helmet, they've got their gun, they've got their backpack, they got their steel-toed shoes. These guys wear a lot of gear. Now Goliath was nine feet tall and he had over a hundred pounds of gear. Can any of us even lift hundred pounds? Imagine that on your body, everywhere you go, this man was a behemoth of a person. Verse eight, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us." What a wager. Imagine you're in the Israelite army. There's Saul, the king of your people, standing right there. And then on the other side of the valley, there's this huge person shouting to us. And he says, I want to do one-on-one. Let's do like a wrestling match. Whoever pins the other person down becomes the subjects of the other kingdom. Verse 10, then the Philistine said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Can you imagine the chills that would run back your spine? Like this huge person is taunting us. Now David was the son of an Ephraite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was old and well-advanced in years. So you've got that scene well in your mind now. There's the battle line, the two hills and the valley. Now picture a pasture area. There's an older gentleman named Jesse, and he's got eight sons. One is David. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shaman. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So now you've got this older gentleman, he's at his pasture land, and he says to all the eight children, all right, now the three oldest, you're gonna go to battle with Saul. So the three oldest leave. Now David, he's the youngest guy, the smaller one, and he's going back and forth from the camp of the Saul army to his father's house bringing supplies. Verse 16, for 40 days, the Philistines came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son, David, take this ephah, a roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back them assurance from them. So bring me back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So David's not only going back and forth from his his, uh, pasture to the army camp, he's bringing supplies, cheese, bread. Jesse cares about his sons. Verse 20, early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd loaded up and set out. As Jesse had directed, he reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Notice that David didn't go alone from the pasture to the camp. What does it say here? Verse 20 again, early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd. So he left the flock with somebody else. He loaded up this and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. This guy is not only going to help his brothers, he's basically going out there with energy and he's shouting the battle cry that Israel would say, we're gonna win, we're gonna win. Maybe he was saying something like that. He's excited. Verse 21, Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. He's not dragging his feet moping around, he's excited, he's yelling the battle cry, and he's running to the battle lines. As he was walking or talking with them, Goliath the Philistine, the champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. When the Israelites saw the men, they all ran from him in great fear. So as usual, Goliath is shouting at them, and as usual, The Israelites of the time are scared. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give us great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give his Hiva, give us his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxing from taxes in Israel. So the king realizes how much of a danger this man Goliath is to his people. So he says, all right, I've got to like up the ante. I've got to bring in some incentives in order for some Israelite to have the courage to defeat Goliath. I'm gonna exempt him from taxes. I'm gonna give him my daughter. It's gonna be pretty good for this Israelite who can defeat Goliath. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes his disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David knows who he is and he realizes that somebody is affronting that identity. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, This is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert i know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is you came down only to watch the battle this is david's oldest brother there's like some family conflict going on here david wants to help and now the older brother misunderstands it and now he's mad at david he's accusing him of saying all right well where are the sheep now are they being helped david left his sheep with the shepherd The older brother thinks that David's conceited; that he's trying to build an ego or build a name for himself. Meanwhile, David's just trying to help. Now what have I done? David said, can I even speak? Then he turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter and the men answered him as before. So David's trying to have a conversation. He's trying to help. He's trying to get to the bottom of things, but his family, or at least the oldest brother, misunderstand him. So now he goes somewhere else to try to bring up the conversation again with somebody who can help. Verse 31, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. This young man, David, who was shouting that battle cry, who had energy, who was going to the camp, he's not only just bringing the cheese, bringing the food, he's now getting the attention of the king himself, and the king wants to talk to him. Verse 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. This little young man, David, approaches the king of a nation and says, no worries, I've got it taken care of. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, and he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came out and carried off a sheep with or from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. David knows his identity. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. The king of the nation was convinced. Before he said, David, you can't do this. David defended himself and said, look what the Lord has done. And then Saul said, "Okay, you can do it. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not able to use them." So can you imagine this young boy? He's not that strong, but now the military of Israel gives him a shield, a breastplate, a helmet, a sword, pieces of armor over his legs. Now he's trying to be kind of clunky, just like Goliath. But Goliath is strong, but David isn't physically strong. God helped him when he overcame that bear and that lion. "'I cannot go in these,' he said to Saul because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. So you got this little scrawny kid. He's got all this armor. He's like, ah, the helmet's too heavy. The sword's too sharp. The shield's too heavy. He took it all off. He had his old shepherd's clothes on again. He got that rod. Yep, this is the staff I want. He got that sling, that long piece of leather with a a satchel on the end. Like this is what I can use to cast stones. He's got the gear he needs now. So he took them off, then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Imagine David, he scoops down, picks up the stone, he's like, this will work, puts it in his pocket, he's like, let's do this, Jesus, let's do this, God. (laughs) Verse 41, meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog, that you come at me with a stick? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Not only is Goliath taunting the Israelites, but now he's being specific to David, and he's taunting him individually. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. He's trying to like foretell David's destiny of dying. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today, I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and of the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear, that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. David had courage. Can you imagine him back at the pastures as a shepherd with his sheep? He's singing, the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. All the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's David's mantra. That's David's psalm that he would sing, and he sang other psalms. That's David's connection to the Lord, saying, I know who I am. I know who you are, and you're a big God. It doesn't matter what the valley looks like. It doesn't matter what the storm looks like, it doesn't matter what that family turmoil is upheaving, it doesn't matter what kind of enemies are trying to affront the nation. David, a small boy standing against a nine-foot tall man, says, check this out, my God's bigger than you and you're going down. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him, reaching out into his bag and taking out a stone remember david went to that river and he grabbed that stone the same stone he brings out of his pocket puts it in his sling slung it and struck the philistine on the forehead the stone sank to his forehead and he fell face down on the ground imagine that little boy thud it hits goliath's forehead almost instantly he's dead that shock to his brain his frontal lobe is discombobulated he dies falls to his knees face to the ground that wager that the philistine once gave to israel let's do a tussling match let's go one-on-one whoever wins gets to be the ruler of the other nation he just lost that wager to a little boy So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Isn't that God? Throughout the Bible, there's other stories where the armies of Israel are about to be affronted by a devastating army. So what happens? In the middle of the night, the Lord's angel kills the enemy. He confuses the enemy and they have them start attacking each other. In this case, a little boy defeated a huge man without even a sword, with just a sling in his hand. And as David prefaced earlier, it's because of the power of God that he defeated Goliath. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. David has so much courage when he has victory. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath. Do you remember earlier when Goliath was taunting them? They were all scared and they ran and hide. Once they had a leader that believed in God, and demonstrated, look, this is what victory looks like. Then the Israelites had courage and they surged forward after the Philistines. Their dead were strewn along the road. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. They took the Philistines head and brought it to Jerusalem. And he put the Philistines weapons in his own tent. He's collecting souvenirs. He's like, all right, well, this is what victory looks like. I'm going to remember this. As Saul watched David going out to meet the Philistines, he said to Abner, commander of the army, Abner, whose son is that young man? So you've got this entire powerful nation ran by a theocratic monarch, King Saul. And then he says to his secretary of defense, his commander of the army, who is this young boy, David, and who's his dad? Abner replied, as surely as you live, O king, I don't know. The king said, find out whose son this young man is. As soon as David returned from killing the Philistines, Abner took him and brought him before Saul, with David still holding the Philistines' head. Whose son are you, young man? Saul asked him. David said, I am the son of Jesse, your servant from Bethlehem. Notice how David concludes notice how david identifies himself i'm a servant my dad is jesse and i'm from bethlehem he doesn't say well saul it's your lucky day you get to meet me now no no he doesn't say you know what you should promote me right away because i just did a big thing no he says i'm a servant my dad's jesse and i'm from bethlehem wow what humility this young man has a heart after god's own heart while he's in the pastures singing psalms to God, Lord, you're my shepherd, I'm not gonna be afraid. You're gonna guide me through any dark valley. Then he's right before Philistines. He's right before the enemy. He says, you're going down because I've served God. And then he's now before the king. And the king says, who are you? Like, how did you just do that? And he says, well, I'm a servant. He has a strong identity. He has a strong, ferocious tenacity that says, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to pursue Him. He's going to be my fortress. He's going to be my vindicator, my victor. And all I have to do is kind of be obedient and watch Him do His thing. Friends, we have the same God. He fights our battle. There's songs that are on the radio right now that goes like this and when i fight i'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high oh god the battle belongs to you we don't have to stress out we don't have to worry yes we should prepare yes yes we should be good stewards with our time to be diligent to avail to the lord lord this is what you have to work with at the same time let's give the results to god let's have faith that he's going to show up that he's going to move on our behalf i know of people who go to court and it's either a lawsuit, it's either the state versus them, or it's a suing match or it's a divorce court, and they don't hire lawyers because they say to themselves, I believe that God will be my vindicator. I believe that God will defend me. And by God's grace, the court's court's case is dismissed. Um, The decision of the jury or the judge is in their favor. I'm not saying don't use lawyers. I'm just saying that God does in real time, in present 21st century life, vindicate us, and He is our defender. Friends, you might be thinking to yourself, "Ah, my job is stressful. You know, I'm running out of time in life. I just, there's something wrong with my family. The battle is God's. The results of whatever it is you're striving for, if it's a God-honoring preferred future, give it to Him, it's gonna be okay. You're invited to not live this life alone. You're invited to not believe that you're the one that has to hold the burden of everything. Give it to God. Quote Psalm 23 that God is protecting you, that He is providing for you, that He's going to make it good for you. Now, whatever it is, it might look different for some people. For us, it's a family situation. For others, it's a work situation that's either in government or arts and entertainment or education, or maybe church, whatever venue that God has you in, believe that He is advancing it forward. In this season of my life, I'm running for office for the Hawaii House of Representatives for District 39. That's Ewa Beach in Waipahu. I'm not stressing out on the election results. I believe they're in God's hand. It says in Daniel that God appoints and God takes down the rulers. So I'm going to do my part you know, go door to door, send out mailers, talk with people. But ultimately, the results are in God's hands. And it's the same with any job in America, any job, wherever you're watching. We're going to do our part. We're going to believe that God has called us to do this. Let's do it faithfully and let's leave the results in God's hands. Yes, we have a responsibility. Yes, we have a kuleana to malama what we have. But ultimately, God is sovereign. And He is the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills, as the Bible would say. In other words, He owns everything. He is in charge. He's all-powerful. If we can just rest knowing that He's leading, He's guiding, all we have to do is follow with obedience. The results may surprise you. I encourage you to continually read the Bible. Go over 1 Samuel 17 again. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, family, for being a part of this ohana. And I encourage you to tune in next week. Would you pray with me? Father God, you're holy, you're awesome, you're amazing, and we love you. Help us to be obedient servants that are abiding in you and being sustained by your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Mahalo and aloha.